Second Corinthians chapter 11. We'll get started here. Starting at verse 16 this morning. All right. Lord, we thank you so much for this, this time, for um, this church, these people. Each one, Lord, we know you. There's no accidents for who's here, God. And we pray that you would speak to us by your spirit, that we would be uh, able to hear from you. And, and uh, that, um, Lord, you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're trying to tell us, what you're trying to show us, that our hearts would be open towards you and soft and pliable. And so we don't have to learn things the hard way, <laughs> but we can learn them um, just by being obedient and then seeing the great fruit that's produced by that. So, um we just thank you, God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse 16. So the first half of this chapter we covered last week, and uh, Paul's really drilling into uh, the Corinthians, and they, they've been giving him such a hard time not wanting to listen to him, trying to discredit his apostleship, um, and they, they instead have been following these false apostles who are preaching a false Jesus that is wealthy and affluent and very slick and very cool, very different than the Jesus that they would actually see, which is what Paul looked like, which was all about people and and wasn't wealthy and didn't have a great appearance, uh, but was but loved people and was uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and their lives were full of power. And so Paul has been kind of hammering them on, you guys have been letting in false teachers. And, and just because it looks good, not all the glitters is gold, right? Like it doesn't, it's not what you think it is. And, and he said, even Satan himself could disguise himself as an angel of light. And so there, uh, there was a bunch of uh, application there that it's easy to get tricked. It's easy to get fooled, to be deceived. And this has been a lesson through this book on, man, we got to be careful because it's so easy to be deceived by the things around us that don't seem like that big of a deal. It's deception. And so these guys had found themselves a Messiah or a Jesus or an apostle that looked like they wanted him to look. This is what we want to look like instead of being like, no, this is the Jesus we need. This is the Messiah that is the one we've been waiting for. They've been kind of making it work with their carnal mindset. And Paul's been really addressing that and, and kind of hammering away at that. And uh, But if we're honest, we are guilty of this sometimes. We try to make it fit into the box so that we don't have to change or we don't have to grow or we don't have to move forward. And so um, continuing that with that, uh, verse 16. He says, I say again, let no one think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool that I also may boast a little. He's like saying, I'll boast on what I see valuable in the life of an apostle. Paul's like, I'm going to go down to your level because they were all about boasting. And these super apostles, these, these uh, great apostles that, that had come in, that were these false teachers, had really laid it on thick. And we're going to see they were full on abusive. That will always be the case. If you have someone, you elevate someone that is carnal, they will take carnal, they will act carnally. And they will take advantage of people. And the very best that they can offer to you is to teach you how to also take advantage of people. Right? Our whole world is full of this, isn't it? Right? Like you learn how to take advantage. It takes a lot to stand in integrity in a workplace. Because it's like, well, this is how you move up. 
And once you move up, this is how you get the most out of your people by paying them the least, by putting guilt trips on them, by abusing. It's easy to do, right? And everybody's nodding their head like, mm-hmm, I know those people. I've worked for them. But it's, it's easy to recognize it when you're on the bottom. But as you start moving up, you go, oh, well, I kind of get it. You kind of got to keep the cheese in front of them. They'll keep running, right? This is how you do it. This is just as a carrot or a cheese or whatever. It's hard to act in integrity, especially when it means it will cost you something. But there is a real true fruit that comes from this. Paul's saying, you guys have been listening to this foolish talk, these foolish leaders. And, and he's saying, let, they, you love boasting. Let me boast for a minute. Even though it's not like the thing I want to do. I don't like talking about myself, but let me boast for a minute. Well, what we're going to find out is Paul's not going to be like, well, now listen, I'm a very good apostle. I've done a lot of really cool stuff and I speak really well and I, you should see the way I write. You know, these books are probably going to be, you know, my letters are going to be published and people are going to read them for, you know, millennium to follow, you know, millennia. What do you say? Millennii, millennio, whatever, to follow. No, what he's going to boast in is the exact thing that they were hoping that being an apostle wasn't about. Paul's going to boast in his weakness and his infirmities and everything that he's had to go through. But he's going to be like, this is the reality check. So let me boast for a while. Let me just go ahead and say it. Let me give you my resume, right? Because people love giving their resumes. It's always kind of weird to write a resume, right? What do I say, you know? Shipped over 30 million units in the past year. What? Units? Um, we sell toothpicks, you know, so there's a, there's a thousand in a box. So, you know, like this is like the kind of stuff we do, right. You know, like oversaw, I remember I was writing a resume and it's like oversaw, you know, um, 150 kids, you know, in, in a youth setting, you know, and it's like, it's called camp winter camp, you know, where you, and you were in charge of the whole thing, you know, but this is like what a resume is all about, right? You got to kind of like, oh, here you go, embellish a little bit. Paul's going to give his resume, but it's going to be a little bit ugly. Could you imagine if your resume was like that? Has gotten in altercations with other employees at times, you know? Like, uh, it gets frustrated when not allowed to leave early on Friday, you know? Like, this is kind of what I'm known for, okay? If we're being honest. Petty, petty beyond belief, you know? This is, this is, uh, I'd like the job, please. So he's like, here's my resume. Take it for what you will. Just listen to me. Let's let, give me a chance to speak. Verse 17, what I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly in the confidence of boasting. Like, I'm just going to lay it out for you guys. Cause this is the only way you can hear it. So I'm going to lay it out, but it's tricky. I'm going to boast for a second for you guys. Okay. This isn't of the Lord. I'm just going to give it to you. Of course, it, it kind of is when we see what he really is boasting about. He's trying to wake them up. Verse 18. Seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I also will boast. This is your currency. Let's get down to it. Verse 19. Okay, here we go. For you put up with fools gladly since you yourselves are wise. They were, they were letting in false prophets, false apostles. Like you guys are gladly putting up with fools. You could probably listen to me for a second. All right. Since you're okay with fools, let's just call me a fool and you can listen to me since you guys are wise. Like you know better, you know all, you'll be able to judge for yourselves and we can, you know, talk about it after that. 
You put up with the one for you put up with the one who brings you into bondage. If one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. We're getting a glimpse as to what these false apostles are all about. Right? You're putting up with these people who they come and they bring you into bondage. This is what you want your king to look like. One that brings you into bondage. And the whole deal with even Israel having a, remember having a king, is we want a king. God's like, I'm your king. Like, like let follow me. I'm a good king. No, we want a king like everyone else. Everyone has a king but us. You know how bad that makes us look when we show up and they're like, where's your king? He's like, well, it's God. You know, and they're like, we don't see God. Well, well he is. He's there, you know. And, and we want someone that can stand up. And so what happens? They get Saul. And, they, and, and the whole king thing didn't work out well. Right? There were some exceptions. There were some good kings in the, in the midst of it. But God says, oh, I'll give you what you want. If you want this, you can have it. But they're going to take advantage of you. And you're going to think that you're putting them in a position of authority and leadership for your good. But they will take it and make it their own good. This is politics, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then all of a sudden, none of it happens. But you find out somehow they're gaining, right, from it. Like you went in, I went in as a humble servant. I came out as a billionaire. How did that happen? Well, Because I know the salary is not that outrageous. How did this happen? It's called taking advantage. And it takes a lot of integrity to not. But if we look at these uh, these so-called apostles that they valued higher than Paul because they were slick, because they were powerful looking, because remember what they said, Paul was like not a great looking guy, uh, four foot something, unibrow, bowed leg, voice is a little screechy. That was Paul. They didn't like that. They liked the strong, powerful, composed, you know, well-spoken apostle. But the problem with the well-spoken apostle was what? That they brought you into bondage. If one devours you, known to devour, if one takes from you, if one exalts, okay, so let's break it down. Brought into bondage. This is so easy to happen, right? You're brought into bondage. Bondage is slavery, right? They own you. They tell you what to do, when you can go. My, we have that puppy. That dog is in bondage, okay? It has a leash on it constantly. She's just like, can we take off the leash? And you're like, yes, I'll take it off. And as soon as you take it off, she's like, see ya, I'm gone, right? No, you're in, you are going to be held on the leash until you learn what is right and what is wrong. And then, then you will be allowed off the leash, you know. But right now, I'll admit it, she's in bondage, okay? Because it's, it's important for her to be in that position. But we shouldn't be letting these people who are, who are called like ministers or servants to put you into bondage. That is a telltale sign that there's a problem. If one devours you, what does that mean? They eat you for their own gain. Like they, they will, they have no problem taking away from you, ripping things off of you. They have no problem with that for their own gain. Again, it says, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, there's a telltale sign. It's all about them. They are the, it's all about the vision, right? Of them. They're, you know, how all of this is to, you know, pick me up, lift me up. 
the Paul was none of these things. And he says, if one strikes you on the face, you're like, you guys have some issues. Your apostles come in and they're getting, they're hitting people. That's a way of dominance, right? Coming in and saying like, you aren't going to do anything, you know, like come in, you disrespect me. Whack, you get hit. Don't disrespect me. Don't disrespect my leadership. This was taking advantage of people. This was just classic, right? We can see this false apostles, right? Uh, I was listening to a message on this. It was uh, brought up by uh, David Guzik. He was talking about uh, David Koresh, right? Waco is now known for Magnolia Farms and uh, the Wave Pool, but it used to be known for something different, didn't it? When Waco was a little wacko, <laughs> and it was, and uh, and there was this crazy cult where a guy convinced everyone that they should be willing to give up their wives and their daughters for him, and people were following him, and they were armed, and it was like this huge, crazy thing, right? But this is what happens when you start following charisma over the word of God. Charisma is funny. It's, it's very fleeting, right? Like even like it talks about uh, in Proverbs talks about women who have this way about them, about entrapping you and, and, and luring you in. And it's, it's that same thing, that power. And, and you can think, oh, there's just something about that person. It doesn't mean it's always a good thing. There's an influence that can be used for evil. This is all like clear forms of abuse. And it's the exact opposite of what the Apostle Paul did. And so that's why Paul's fighting so hard. He's like, I love you guys so much that I can't allow this to continue in your life. Be careful. What we always get, we all have to be careful what we're under. There's no one you should have blind allegiance to aside from Jesus. Like there's no pastor, there's no uh, evangelist, there's no self-proclaimed pro- doesn't matter. All men are flawed, and and as soon as you lose your the who who you are in Christ, and you start taking it to your advantage. It all falls apart. And that's why everybody's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that it got to this place. Well, if you ask people around them, it got to that place a long time ago, but people didn't do anything about it. They didn't see any problem with it. Well, I don't know. They speak really good. I don't know. They lead worship really good. I don't know. They kind of get people in the door. And so you start bowing down to these people. And of course, they will end up devouring you because the carnality is feeding of the flesh will constantly keep on feeding the flesh. That's what it's all about. So it's real simple to kind of figure it out. Follow the trail, right? It'll be obvious. So uh, verse 21, he says, to our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in what, whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. <laughs> he says, to our shame, I say, we're too weak to be those kind of apostles. It's just not in us. It's such a bummer. We wish we could devour you. We wish we could abuse you. We just aren't strong enough. It's just not, there's not, I guess, I don't know what it is. We're not good enough. This is sarcasm, okay, by the way. Paul's a little sarcastic, so if someone says, you can't be sarcastic, Paul was. 
Okay. And he wasn't Jesus, but he was sarcastic. And I think he, occasionally even Jesus kind of seems like it a little bit, right? With the Pharisees, he's kind of like playing them a little bit anyway. Um, so he's saying like, but in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. I don't care. I'm going to be bold about what I'm really about. And so now he's going to explain uh, what he's really about and, and, and his qualifications again, because he wants them to see this is the kind of apostle you want. Remember, Paul said, I didn't even ask you guys for money. I didn't ask you for anything. Like when I came before you, I did everything I could to, um, to give you. Welcome back, boys. That's going on the podcast. Yeah. I did everything in I, that I could in my power to not be a burden to you, but a blessing to you. But I will not tame my message because this brings life. This brings truth. So I will be bold. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. There's Paul's heritage right there. And of course, you're going to find out with false apostles. And remember, false apostles were not just back then. They are now. They are today. I, they're everywhere, honestly, to be real. There's a like, it's, it kind of, it's like less about like altogether power. It's fame is like a whore to people. You know what I'm saying? It, it really is. Like people want to be famous so bad, they'll do anything for it. And they'll step on anyone for it. This is, this is a problem. And you, of course, when you get fame, what happens? You, people love you and then they hate you. They'll eventually hate you. And the thing that you longed for will be the thing that will kill you in the end. Great. great thank you. Very uplifting message here this morning. I'm so glad I came. But it's because the truth is real. And so they're always going to be, though, about like the little things. Well, we're the Hebrew, the Hebrews. Oh, we came from the special line. Oh, we've got the special, the Bible code. If you read the, if you can look, we actually have the numbers. So we can actually figure out whose name is in the book of life. You're like, come on. Okay. You always got to have some little niche, weird little pocket or key. I got a special key that God gave only me. And the, so can you see it? Look. Look how cool I'm. This is why I'm elite. So I'm better than you. So he says, it wasn't necessary even to be of that seed, but this has been taken advantage of. Paul says, you want to do a little resume? I'll, here we go. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I am the guy. I, lineage wise, I line up. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure in prisons, more frequently in deaths. Often they take in the calling of ministers uh, of Christ to mean the celebrity or someone that's above the people. They had made but what was minister. What was the word used here was a uh, diakonos, which was, which means uh, like humble servant. So you say ministry with like all this pride. That's a humble servant. Last time I checked, that doesn't really uh, give you too much status, does it? But in the kingdom of God, up is down, right? It's, it's all very different. And the fruit of the kingdom of God, it leads to life. The fruit of the world leads to death. Because if you always have to have people serving you, it's gonna, you're going to have to constantly be flexing your power to get people to serve you. If you're going to serve people 
you will never find a shortage of people to serve, right? It's easy to do. Like, it's not hard to find people to serve, is it? I can tell you right now, if you're looking for a place to serve, we can help you, okay? Like, there's always places to serve. There's always opportunities to serve. That brings life. To find people to serve you, how many conflicts happen in the workplace? You're not my boss. I'm your boss. You should be serving me. I'm above you. You you down there, me up here. Can't you see it? I'm better than you. I mean more than you. So get back in your place and serve. The kingdom of God says, well, I'm going to serve. Jesus washing the feet of Peter. No, you better not wash my feet. Right? And then Peter, of course, overdoes it. Well, then wash everything, you know. So are they ministers of Christ? They speak as a fool. I am more. Talk about being a servant. Here's, your, here's my, my resume of service. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. So labors, more abundant. Did, was there ever a question of Paul's work ethic or his willingness to go do very hard things? No, definitely not. We all be put to shame by Paul. In stripes, above measure. Stripes means being beat. That's what that means. Above measure. That's a lot. Especially because a lot of times they were counted. So it'd be pretty easy to keep track of that. Well, let's see. I got beat this time. And then, so that was like 39. And then that one was 39. And then that one was 39. And so uh, I've been beat 185 times, whatever, you know. This wasn't, this was beyond measure. Like he can't remember exactly how many times he's been beaten. Which in the book of Acts we see, we see glimpses of this. But there's a lot more that happened than you don't, than you see in the book of Acts. There was a lot more that actually happened. Picture Acts like the Sports Center highlight reel. You have a, a day of hundreds of hours worth of, you know, if you put them all together, of sporting events, and it fits in a 30-minute or hour show. And you're like, oh, yeah, I saw the sports for the day. No, you saw the highlights. But there was a lot more that went on. And there was actually other things that could be highlights that had to be cut because there's just not enough time. So anyway, there you go. Uh, In stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Yeah, that's pretty gnarly, right? He was in pre- prison often, and he in deaths often. Remember, he like basically was dead at one point. Verse twenty-four: uh, From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. Five times. Well, why forty stripes minus one? I mentioned thirty-nine a second ago, so forty minus one. This is a math question. It's thirty-nine. So forty minus one is thirty-nine. Um, that was a joke. Okay. Obviously we know this, uh, but, uh, Deuteronomy 25, three says 40 blows. He may give, uh, give him and no more lest he should exceed this and beat him with many blows above these. And your brother be humiliated in the sight. It was also possible they could die. So they say, well, in case, just to make sure we don't go over 40 and we miscounted by some chance, you know, whatever we'll do 39. So if we accidentally did one extra, it was 40. Uh, so 39. Potentially it was 40. Who knows? So uh, five, to- five times from the Jews, five times. He'd been minus one. But also three times I was beaten with rods. Once since I was stoned. Beaten with rods would have been from the Romans. 
See, the different cultures had their different ways of torturing people. Isn't that nice? Like they also had their own, you know, this is fun, a different kind of food from a different part of the world. Well, this is how we beat our people, you know. This one, we use a whip. Oh, that's cool. We use rods. Interesting. I've never thought about that. Maybe I'll try it sometime, right? No, I know that sounds sick and sadistic, but this is how it was, right? Uh, three times, uh, it, once I was stoned, uh, this is talking about being thrown rocks at, just to be clear. Uh, three times I was, and that was the time they thought he was dead, right? They thought he was dead. He was like a pile of rocks and he woke up and went back in the city to go preach <laughs> zombie, zombie zone. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I've been in the deep. Okay. Sometimes I think this sounds kind of like a little too Swiss Family Robinson fun. Shipwrecked is insane, right? Have you ever think about that? Being stuck in the deep for a day and a half. It's like uh, you're just like stuck out in the middle of the ocean for like uh, a day and a half. What would, what would you do? You're just sitting there on a on piece of wood. Okay. So this is uh, my life now. You know, at some point you're just like, let's just, let's just fast track this thing. Um, be shark bait, you know, like, but no, he went through, sh- he was shipwrecked multiple times. Remember in the book of Acts, we saw, he was like warning, like, let's not do this guys. We really shouldn't go over here. And then of course they were shipwrecked and the Lord used the whole thing for ministry. And anyway, a night in the day in the deep in journeys often, it's actually thought that Paul may have traveled more than anyone in his day. Like he might have the record, you know? And driving is a long, is hard, right? Like I talked talk about, we drove to Texas. We had 60 hours in the car. It's like, oh man, that was rough. As we're listening to the music with the air conditioning on, eating food, drinking Starbucks, God help us. <laughs> Stopping for food whenever you want and getting out to stretch if you feel like it, you know, you know, it's just a burden, you know, that's just tough. Paul traveled like thousands of miles on foot. And it's not like he was staying at the one thing that was, what was kind of crazy was finding a decent place. Like where you're like, I wouldn't stay here. I wouldn't stay here. That, that was on the road. Okay. Like you're looking at these cities. You're like, I'm not staying in that hotel. I would not stay in this city. I don't think you make it out of this one. You know, this place looks like one you come to and then you never come out, you know? But Paul didn't have like hotels along the way. Oh, there's a holiday inn. Great. You know, he was often traveling and, and, uh, we'll see there was more to it than that. Uh, in perils of waters that, that probably means like rivers crossings, Oregon trail style, right? You, you have lost your ox and, and two of your children. You only have six left, you know? Okay. Whatever, you know, I, do I get to hunt yet? You know, that was that game, if you remember. But in perils of waters, in perils of robbers. You ever think about that? Paul got robbed. He got, he got his stuff stolen. He got robbed. That's crazy. In perils of my own countrymen, the Jews, in perils of the Gentiles. Like everybody has given me problems. In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness. Anywhere I go, trouble follows. 
I've, I've had to deal with it everywhere. In perils in the sea and in perils among false brethren. So here, I'm going to bring it to this level. I've had to deal with these people. So believe me, I know a fake when I see it. And my and as much as you don't want to talk about how this is the reality of what a disciple of Christ's life would look like, and you want it to all look very pretty and everything, the fact of the matter is he's called us to die to ourselves and follow him. And you will always be frustrated if, if we will always be frustrated if we don't reconcile that with ourselves. Like if we think that life is really about my happiness here, you will never get it. You start learning to die to yourself. Paul wasn't like an angry man. He was, a ha- he was like blessed. Like God was, had blessed him. And he, you could see, there's joy in his heart. Even though he's gone through more than probably any human aside from Jesus had gone through. He was full of joy because he recognized what life was really about. And really it's about tempering your expectations. If you, uh, you know, you go and you say, I have a great day at Disneyland and you go, well, what else? That's infuriating, right? Like we just spent, you know, it's $72,000 to come to Disneyland and you're, you want more. That's not enough for you. That's infuriating. But if you can go and say like, Oh man, we get to spend 10 bucks at boomers. God is so good. I can't believe it. Like, are you kidding me? I could ride the go-kart once, you know, I could play, you know, one video game and we're good. You know, like that is unreal. I can't believe it. We get to take a walk. Can you believe this weather? It's all about having your perspective, right? Your eyes on the right thing. So when your, your goal, your vision is to please God, which is, by the way, what we were created for. We were created to uh, reflect his glory and to bring him praise and honor. That is what you were created for. That's what, that is what you were made for. Everything else is a counterfeit and it will never work right and you will always be frustrated. And as soon as you go back to trying to do something else or fit that square peg in a round hole, frustration will follow. How do I know? I know. I get it. And you know. We all know, right? It's so easy to do because the world tells us, no, you need this and this will do it. And, and, but but oh, not just that. You also need this too. Oh, but yeah, those two. But that goes along with this. Yeah, now so now you got the, that's the first 10%. We got more to go. You got, I've built up my whole life. I've done everything. I have the car. I have the house. I have the this. I have the that. I have the whatever. And what do I have? Nothing. I, I can't. I don't have peace. I don't, it's because your eyes are on the wrong thing. And so Paul's like trying to warn them. He's trying to say, it doesn't matter. None of this stuff matters. You can find joy in the midst of a horrendous life here in, on, on earth. If your eyes are fixed on him and you recognize the whole point of being here is to give him glory. So you start seeing the bad things that happen to you as opportunities. And boy, wasn't that Paul. Remember in the Acts, every time something would come up, he'd be like, okay, this is different, but the Lord used it for his glory. All right, I'm in prison. Let's sing worship songs. All of a sudden, jail starts shaking. There's an earthquake. The gates are open. Finally, let's get out of here. No, there's something bigger than that here, isn't there? It's not just getting out of the jail. This is now an opportunity to minister. And what happens? The Philippian jailers saved. That's why I was here. 
See, I, I've felt like such a victim because my freedom has been taken away and my this has been taken away and my that's been taken away. Well, w- what was it ever really about? It's about glorifying God. And if we could keep our eyes on him, the, we can all get to the place where we realize that some of the hardest circumstances in your life are also the most fruitful times God can use you. That was Paul. Shipwrecked. Okay, cool. Let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> in prison. Cool. Let's talk about Jesus in front of uh, authorities, you know, Peter and, and, and John. Let's talk about Jesus. Constantly seeing God work in the midst of where they were at. And then Paul's like, that's why I can't let you guys think that the, the goal is to be like a, one of these super apostles. Because that's not life. That's death. In weariness and toil. In sleepless nights, often. Or sleeplessness, often. In hunger and thirst, in fastings, often. In cold and nakedness. Come on. This is, this is heavy. This is what he's had to deal with. Weariness and, and toil. Did you think he just woke up with a spring in his step every day? That's not how it is. And he couldn't sleep. We're, I think we're going to see why in a second here. Often. Hungry, thirsty. In fastings, well, that's because he cares about people more than himself. That's crazy, right? In cold and nakedness. Even cold. We don't have cold here, right? This isn't really cold. But even when it's cold, you go inside. You go, ooh, it's cold in this house. What is it? It's 65 degrees. Freezing to death. You ain't freezing anything in 65 degrees. All the ice will melt, you know? Waco, maybe that's freezing, right? 40, okay, anyway. So, not really. 47 degrees will also melt ice. Okay. Uh, besides, uh, and, then, and then this is where he, so there's all of these things that he's had to endure. He says, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. You want to know what an apostle looks like? That's it. So above all those things, they happen from time to time. Right? Paul's not constantly getting shipwrecked. He's like, well, it's Monday. It's time to get shipwrecked. I'm going to be naked and cold tonight. I know it because it's Tuesday. You know, I'm, Wednesday's my hungry day. It wasn't like he was on a schedule. These things happened. And if you look back over your life, there's a lot of stuff that's happened that's been hard, I'm sure. There's been a lot of really good things too. But what he said, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. This is why I care. This is like, this is why I care about you. You guys, I care. I love you guys. And I, I need you to understand how much I love you. And so I'm concerned for you. I think that's part of the sleeplessness. You have kids, you worry about them. You still don't, you don't sleep, right? You have a situation, a big job, a big proposal, a big this, a big that. I mean, it's hard to sleep. Whatever it is, like the big, I was before a big trip. It's like, okay, we're waking up at three in the morning to go. Got to get to bed on time. Get to bed at 10. I'm usually fall asleep so easy. But if I know I have to wake up at three, I cannot fall asleep for some reason. Body's like, well, you know what would be a good idea since we're leaving so early is to stay up till one. And then kind of fall asleep and keep thinking you missed your alarm. And wake up and go, 115. Okay, good. We wake up again. 118. You've got to be kidding me. I'm not sleeping, you know, 
But like that's because he cares about these people. He's a deep concern for the church. The fruit will tell the apostle. They care about people. They care about the church. They care about the lives of the people involved. That would be obvious. Like, that's Paul. He's like, man, the fruit of these guys is they take from you. They take, take, take. They will not stop taking from you. They will devour you. They will full-on strike you. But you'll know me for my love. I will love you, and I will not stop telling you the truth because it's what you need to hear. And you might hate me, and that's fine, because if you get it, that's okay. I just want you to get it. Because I can't see my friends and these people I love at the church I established go through this. And it's, I'll just say even from a pastoral perspective, it is a heavy, heavy load having a church that like is, you're in leadership in. You're supposed to shepherd. There's a heavy load to that. I'm constantly thinking about you. <sighs> Love, yeah, there's like love for you guys. Like that's, but that's like, you're constantly thinking like, I wonder where they're at, I wonder they're doing. I wonder how this, that's just real. That's Tori, she knows. But that's like, but that's a good thing. That, that's like a love, but it's, it's very real. Like I can't imagine Paul, he planted all these churches. He was involved in all these things. And he's just an unbelievable minister. Like loves people, servant. Who is, and he says, who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? You know what that means? When you guys are weak, I'm there with you. For those, when, you when, when someone has is is, uh, been made to stumble, I, I burn with indignation. When you guys get ripped off, I want to fight. I got your back. Friends don't fight alone. That was an like old motto. Not good now, right? But it's like friends don't fight alone, right? You, you got to cover your friends. You got, you love your people. Like, you know, no, no, you're not going to be in this alone. When I see you get ripped off, I get ripped off. That's not just your life. When I see you go through something, I, you mourn, mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who weep. This is, this is that example played out. Do you not know I love you guys? I'm on your side. The false prophets could care less. You know what I've seen? I've seen some false prophets in my day, and they'll burn a, a, like a church or a ministry, and they'll be, they will fleece, they will do all this crazy stuff, embezzle all this stuff, and then all of a sudden it all come to a head, and they will go start something else somewhere else and do the same exact thing. They don't care about the people. They don't care about you. They don't care about anything. This is, this is not where it's at. Sorry if this is too much information, but this is the way it is. We've got to be aware of this. We've got to be awakened to this. Paul's like, I, I, if you are hurting, I am hurting. If you are unhealthy, I feel unhealthy. He says, if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. That's the things I'm going to boast about. The God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. We're going to see next week in chapter 12, uh, this beautiful section of scripture, uh, verses 8 through 10, concerning this thing I pleaded with the Lord. Paul had a, a, a thorn, right, that, that it would might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses 
for uh, Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. You guys got to change your view you gotta, to, to the Church of Corinth. You, we've, we need to shift our view. And, and maybe that's true for our, us. I, I constantly do. We all do, I'm sure. Shift your view of what you think is power, what you think is life, what you think is... Because the world is lying to us constantly. Then at the end, I think Paul gives an example likely from one of the first, right when he first started getting involved in ministry in Damascus. The governor under uh, Aretas, the king, was guarding uh, the city of the Damascenes uh, with a garrison, desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Paul's basically saying like, you know, this is a humble life. But if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he will lift you up. I'm saying you guys are, are focused on trying to be brave and gnarly and this and that. You need to focus on humility before the Lord. And, and falling before him and recognizing that, that everything could go wrong here. And if you're close to him, none of it matters. On the other hand, everything could go right here. And if you're not lined up with him... Everything's a mess. You could have all the money in the bank. You could have the house, the, the illusion of the family, the illusion of, well, you know, all these different things of, of the perfect life, of, of everything, you know, looks great. Everyone's got that million-dollar smile. The teeth whitening is working. If you don't have the Lord, you, you'll never find peace. We all know this, right? We're here. We're here on a Sunday morning. Not watching football, hanging out, hearing, being part of it. But it's easy to trust and go back to those riches and those things. But keep your eyes on, on him. Let him be the one that rewards. Let him be the one that judges. Let him be the one that gives us our honor, our place of, of, uh, of standing. And um, allow God to do that in us. The world needs this. We've got enough false prophets, whether religious or otherwise, They need to see the real thing. They need to see uh, these vessels, these clay pots that are weak in and of themselves, but the excellence of the gospel makes them strong and it points straight back to God. And people say, I need that. I need that. I never thought I would say I needed that, but I need that. I need that. That's the real thing. So let's pray. God, we we pray for that. we know full well that uh, we're all flawed. We all make mistakes. We are all, there's someone you could ask. And that's real scary because uh, they, they really know you. But that's valuable, isn't it? It's like you want to do your fitness, see how fit you are? Do a test. Do a fitness test. You'll find out. Oh, I bet you I could do 50 push-ups. Well, let's see if you can. Oh, I bet you could run a mile in under seven minutes. Well, Maybe. But we can find out for sure today the reality sets in. And then you realize where you're really at and then you go from there. God wants us to, to be involved in each other's lives and to as together collectively keep our eyes on him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time this morning. And um, just for the value of this fellowship.